You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. Talk to anybody in the entertainment industry, not just Broadway, and they'll sing the praises of the Actors Fund, providing a safety net for performing arts and entertainment professionals. The fund serves everyone in film, theater, television, music, opera, radio, and dance. With programs including social services and emergency financial assistance, healthcare, housing, and more. The Actors Fund envisions a world in which the individuals contributing to our country's cultural vibrancy are supported valued, and economically secure. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome two very special guests at the heart of this very special organization. Chair of the Board of Trustees, Tony Award winner, amazing artist, and awesome human being, Brian Stokes Mitchell, and President and CEO, and the nicest guy I know, Joe Benincasa. I'm so proud to call them my friends. Welcome to Broadway Gives Back Podcast, Stokes and Joe. Thank you, Jan. It's great to be here. It is great to be here, Jan. Thank you. So Stokes, I think I'm going to start with you. Um, My adoration for you actually dates back to Jelly's Last Jam and then Ragtime and Kiss Me Kate. But I think where I really got to know you was right after 9-11. And we put on that service, that public service spot in Times Square where we all, well, you all sang New York, New York, and I helped produce it. Um, And that was such a life-altering moment. And I feel like from one life-altering event to another, being our pandemic, I wanted to ask you um, about your experience. Early in the pandemic, you tested positive for COVID. And I wondered how did that inform how you and Allison and Ellington coped over the last year? And most importantly, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. I have to say, that I feel I'm 100% of my my old old self. Um, occasionally, I, I feel like sometimes I have a little COVID brain left over. But unfortunately, I think I had COVID brain before I had COVID. So I don't know <laughs> that I could blame it entirely on having COVID. I think, you know, maybe it comes with some of the years as well. Um, but I seem to have been able to escape most of the uh, 
the the uh, 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 bad effects that everybody seems to be having from it. My, my hair did fall out. I'll go. I'll talk to you about that a little bit. It, it's it's come back since then. But that was one surprising thing because, as you mentioned, I I uh, I came down with COVID early on, and one of the uh, kind of frightening things, I guess, about it was that nobody really had any information on it at that point. That was in March of last year. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I've been saying about this this terrible virus uh, all, all along, and it really hasn't changed, is that it, it has posed more questions than answers. And, uh, and even now, even with all the answers we have, we still have questions. But at the beginning, particularly, um, I think we were all wondering, what is this disease? Uh, what happens? How easy is it to catch? Will I get it? Will I will I be hospitalized? Will I die from it? Will it give me lasting damage? Um, how will I know I have it? What does it feel like? Uh, and uh, so what I decided to do actually is, is to go public with it. I went on my social media once I found out that I had it because I kind of wanted to demystify the disease for people. And it was just one version of the disease because it has it has kind of come across in many guises, different guises for different people. And we still don't fully understand why that is. But it's why I, I, I went public with it, actually, and kind of gave n- nearly daily updates on how I was feeling and what was going on. One of the things that I had during my time with COVID was a, a fever that kept spiking. And I, I had found out that that seems to be a usual thing for people that have a fever. Um, it tends to go up and down and up and down. Mine came in after sundown and then I'd be fighting with it for hours. And then by the time the morning came around, it was gone. And uh, But it would go up and up and every day it would go up and down and up and down and up and down, higher and higher. And, and finally it got very, very high. And I talked to uh, Dr. Jason Kent, uh, one of the doctors with the Actors Fund, um, our health center, and who was on the phone with me and talking to me and guiding me through this all the time and just asking him, you know, what, what should I be doing now? And he, he gave me some incredible uh, advice all the way through. Um, and he said, if, I'm, if my lips aren't blue, if I can breathe, stay home. Because at that point hospitals did not know you know yet how to deal with covid patients how to even admit them they weren't set up for admissions in emergency rooms so it, it was an it was it was interesting happily neither allison nor ellington my son got it and you know we live in close quarters my son and i share a restroom but it really attests to uh, wearing a mask and washing your hands and um, just uh, how how much you can control uh, this virus just by those two simple things well, I was very appreciative of your updates because I was actually in um, New York alone and I wasn't feeling well. Um, and your updates really helped guide me and calm me down. Um, also, you made national news during that lockdown by singing um, outside your window to serenade the frontline workers. I was busy banging pots and pans out my window, but you used your gorgeous voice. Where did that idea come from? Well, it kind of came from out of the blue. One of the things that I was doing um, as the the disease progressed was um, making sure it didn't get in my lungs too deeply. And uh, fortunately for me, I could feel it go into my lungs, but that was towards the very, very end of my illness. And I think by that point, I had enough antibodies built up that it was able to battle off, you know, any kind of terrible uh, infection in my lungs. So, um, but still, I would come into this room where I am right now, which is kind of my studio, my own dressing, you know, room, office, whatever, all those, you know, combination rooms like we all have here in New York City. 
and I would vocalize. And it, it was the way that I kind of made sure I could breathe and to check out what my, my throat was feeling like and what my lungs were feeling like. And um, every day, it uh, still, um, I, I would run to the window and open the window um, and, uh, and applaud all the, the, the workers, the, as you were saying, as we did in, here in, in, in New York. Uh, I was especially uh, uh, doing it in gratitude for Dr. Kint, who was getting me through, but all of the other people on the front lines as well. Um, and one day, I just thought, you know, I... I think I can sing. And I just spontaneously started singing The Impossible Dream. After we hit, the applause had died down from everything else. You just spontaneously started singing The Impossible Dream. I just love that line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't like, everybody? Doesn't everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, it was interesting because there, you know, of course, I'm overlooking Broadway and there are a number of people on the street still walking on the street. And it seemed like the street all of a sudden just stopped and they all looked up at me. And I was just thinking, this is going to be a one-off. Um, you know, I'm not going to do it again. And the next day I was at the window applauding again and everything. And the applause dies down and, and I'm ready to close my window. And then all of a sudden I hear from somewhere in the street, sing the song. <laughs> so... I, I sang it again, and then uh, it, that kept happening every night, and the crowds kept coming back and um, and getting larger. And um, so I, I did it for about two and a half months. It was great. It was super inspirational. Um, Joe, let me pivot to you. The Actors Fund helps more than just actors. It helps all professionals in, in film and theater and TV and music. Um, and the shutdown has obviously been devastating for everyone in the arts. How has the Actors Fund emotionally and professionally ridden out this wave of the last year? And also, how have you and your family coped? Well, first of all, uh, Nancy and I and our boys uh, and our granddaughter, we're fine. The, uh, the Actors Fund, you know, we've been very uh, working very hard to maintain our, the health of our staff because, you know, it's 24-7. Uh, you know, we, no one knows what a weekend is anymore. The challenges, we've provided more than $21 million in direct financial assistance. Uh, so many theater performers, musicians, uh, stagehands have lost their health insurance. So our Every Artist Insured program has been incredibly important. We're also navigators under the Affordable Care Act and healthcare counselors in Los Angeles and in New York and around the country. So we've been very busy helping people maintain their health insurance. You know, Stokes mentioned Dr. Jason Kent, the medical director at our healthcare center in Times Square, which never stopped. I mean, a lot of it is telemedicine, but they're there every day providing healthcare. And uh, that team has done a great job of helping people, you know, through this. Also, all the counseling that needs to be done, it's all done, you know, via Zoom. And it's, uh, and it's not the same as being in person with people, uh, but it's not bad. One of the uh, silver linings of this pandemic, and there are very few, you know, is that our programs on the national platform have reached many more people now, because now a lot of our workshops that may have been done in person in Los Angeles, Chicago, or New York are now on these beautiful national platforms, and we're getting terrific attendance, you know, and lots of uh, people being engaged and involved and, and getting help from the Actors Fund. Now, our residences, you know, that's a, a kind of a different, uh, a different kind of an operation because they, they can't work remotely. So, you know, our, our, our team out in Englewood, New Jersey, at the Friedman residence at West 57th Street in Manhattan, or in downtown Brooklyn at Skirmahorn, we're at the West Hollywood residence. Uh, they've all stayed on the job. 
and it's uh, they have been extraordinarily careful. Uh, we've had plenty of PPE for everyone early on. Uh, our administrator, Jordan Stroll, out in New Jersey, he, he shut down that nursing home a week before the governor required nursing homes to shut down. So we have not had an incidence of COVID happening at the home since April 4th of last year, which is kind of remarkable. And uh, I just want to add one more thing about the community, the creative community, which is so terrific. You know, right at Rosie O'Donnell launched right into her fundraising, you know, event for the Actors Fund. Then Seth Rudetsky and James Wesley started Stars in the House. And absolutely, the fundraising has been tremendous. And the support we've received from everyone in the creative community has been really kind of incredible. So we're very fortunate that we've been able to provide help and our staff is healthy, staying sound. And uh, we're continuing, you know, the pandemic has a long tail. So we know we're going to be at this for a while as because people without work weeks are going to have a hard time getting their health insurance back from the unions, guilds and employers. Uh, we also need that there's going to be a greater need for financial assistance with the rent and mortgage moratoriums ending in the fall. Uh, we were concerned about people who are accumulating debt. And we know that they're going to be turning to the Actors Fund for more financial assistance. Let me ask this question, Stokes. So uh, on the board side, um, how has the board rallied to keep the organization going? What's uh, wonderful, I think, about our board is even though we have differences of opinion and everything, we're all very much of one mind. And um, I think one of the great things about serving on this board is that we all know we're there to help people. And uh, we're there to help people that are in the entertainment and the performing arts. And um, that goal alone makes it very, very easy for people because a lot of other boards and other organizations, they, they get very political and they get about other issues. But the bottom line is we're there to help people. And um, Barbara Davis, our, our COO, one of the things she gives uh, to our, our board and the board report is, uh, is basically what we have done. And it's one of my favorite reports to listen to uh, over the last year or over whatever period of time we happen to be dealing with. But it's amazing because you sometimes forget when you're sitting at a, a, at a board, at a table, or now, you know, on a screen, the effect that you can have together as a group in helping other people and people that you don't know and people that you don't know necessarily need your help. And they come through the staff and the staff does does that incredible, difficult work. Um, but to be able to get the feedback about how many people we've helped, to hear letters from people as well, which we occasionally get to do, is, is really, really moving. And I think that it charges us all up to just do better and to to help more people and uh, in more ways. And that really is, at the end of the day, what the impetus was for this podcast. It's about impact. And it's so important to keep those impact numbers and those impact stories, you know, top of mind, because that is what motivates people. Um, Stokes, you just, you mentioned the word political. So I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement. It was such a powerful statement in 2020, and it continues to be moving forward. Um, Our industry has come under much needed scrutiny when it comes to our racial practices. And you have been instrumental in forming um, Black Theater United Coalition with Audra McDonald and Billy Porter and many others. And I just wondered if we could just take a little segue here and if you could tell us about the progress that's been made so far and what still needs to be done. 
progress in, in racial justice is made incrementally. We all have things that we would like to do. What, what, it, what is fantastic is seeing so many groups that have formed as we sat at home during this pandemic and watched the murder of George Floyd happen in front of us. This is one of those, those things that Black Americans have been talking about for generations. It has been uh, heartbreaking and, and frustrating uh, and anger making many times to not have other members of our country understand that. But because we were in a position with this terrible pandemic where we were all kind of held captive in our own homes in front of our televisions, we saw what happened. But unlike in a usual time, we couldn't then say, okay, let's go, uh, let's go see the show now. Let's go to the bar now. Let's go meet our friends at the restaurant. Let's do whatever we were going to do. We were all stuck in meditation of, of what we had seen. And the formation of Black Theater United, uh, as Audra says, it came because we were, we were mad. We were angry and we needed to do something. And um, so Audra kind of started up some conversations and the circle kept growing larger and larger. And we formed this group of incredible people. It's, it's the other group of people that I love meeting with in addition to uh, the Actors Fund board. Um, because again, everybody is of one mind and um, it's to forward and protect black people and black bodies and black lives, um, not only in the theater, but in the larger world, in the United States and, um, and call out systemic uh, racism when we see it. And, um, and also try to um, solve some of the problems that we have in our own industry, because systemic racism, of course, is systemic. Mm -hmm. It means it is everywhere. And our beloved theater industry is uh, not immune to that as well. And, and so we have been dealing on many, many different levels, um, talking with lots of different people. We had um, a summit with uh, Lort theaters not too long ago. We've also done a number of town halls during the time we were trying to get the vote out and with the census, uh, with uh, with Stacey Abrams. Uh, we just had some incredible support uh, coming from other people as well. So it, it's, it's work that we're just kind of, we feel like we're just at the beginning of. Um, we actually formed, it was last June, I think. And part of what we're doing is also trying to get our focus together. And also, how do we harmonize? Uh, one of our one of our members says, you know, we're not in competition with other groups. We're, we're in concert mm -hmm. uh, with them. Because it's like during the civil rights movements, you had Martin Luther King and... Uh, you, you had Malcolm X and you had many, many different people all going after the same goal with different ways of doing it. And so we decided to kind of get together and use our celebrity and our years of experience. There was a half joke uh, that I think between us, we had about 500 years of experience together uh, on Broadway. And um, that has um, uh, allowed us to do some things. We just came out um, with uh, a video uh, called Stand for Change uh, about a week ago as well, and for fundraising and awareness as well. And um, I'm just so happy to to be involved with these uh, incredible human beings that are part of uh, Black Theater United. And I'm grateful to all of the other members and allies that have joined us uh, as well. And I think you're you're so right. You know, you were saying about your conversation with Audra that we were all sitting there, you know, just staring at our television and 
we had nowhere to go after and it, it hit so hard. And I think we meditated on it, but we also had conversations about it that we wouldn't normally have had. Um, and then now it's just so good to see that action is being taken and also steps that are helping people understand and become allies and become accomplices in a, in a positive way, right? Yes. And people are doing their own self-examination too and kind of realizing um, how they may have played a part in this or just even by their their ignorance of what uh, Black America has been going through, how they kind of unwillingly play a part in it as well. You know, it's it's what uh, the, the term white privilege, you know, when people don't realize that not everybody lives and thinks and and, and dreams the same way. And uh, there's a, a segment of the population, uh, many segments of the populations in the United States that that don't think and, and, and dream and um, have different fears and different concerns. And one of the great things is it's opened up a lot of people's eyes. Like I said, allies who've come forward and saying, what, what can we do? What, how, how can we help? And one of those ways, of course, is read some books. You know, there's a lot of wonderful books out there about, um, about what racism is and um, how to confront your own uh, issues that, that you have as well. And it's been really wonderful seeing that and the DEI tra training that's been going on now uh, within the different organizations and unions uh, that's happening. So it, there really is some positive change coming from it. But this kind of change moves slowly, you know, and, and we can't expect everything to, to, to all of a sudden flip and it's going to be okay. Um, it, it's going to take time. This is a, has been a long process um, that has caused this kind of harm. And, um, you know, it, it won't be quickly gotten out of, but it, it will be gotten out of if we, if we stay uh, on the course and keep our, our eyes on the prize, as we like to say. Absolutely. And, you know, whether it's the pandemic or whether it's the murder of George Floyd that we all witnessed, there is good that comes out of bad. And I feel like uh, on both fronts, there, there are positive things that have come out of this year of 2020. And, and hopefully we can take those with us into the future and, um, and leverage those for good. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I want to talk a little bit about just the concept of philanthropy. And Joe, I want to start with you. Um, you serve on the board of Broadway Cares. You've won um, a Tony uh, Honor for Excellence in Theater for your devotion to charitable causes. Talk to me a little bit about philanthropy and your DNA. Where did it all come from? Well, it came from my mother and father and from their commitment to uh, social justice issues. 
You know, my father founded a union in New Jersey, uh, the uh, AFSCME union, which is American Federation, you know, of municipal and state employees. Uh, he created, helped create the Rutgers Labor Center. So we were always involved, uh, whether it was the social justice movement within the Catholic Church. I was raised Catholic. I was uh, educated by the Sisters of Charity and then the Jesuits. So it's always been part of uh, my family's life of participating in helping other people. Score one for my parents. I think they did a good <laughs> job of inculcating me with that. And philanthropy, uh, I'm just, I have to say, I'm amazed by the creative community, uh, which I think they, the creative community has been leading the charge when it comes to philan- philanthropy. Uh, Broadway Cares, I always tell my good friend Tom Viola that it's kind of like miraculous what Broadway does, you know, in terms of raising money. And, you know, we're the biggest, uh, we receive about half the funds raised by Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. Uh, they are our partner. We are joined at the hip in everything we do. And it's, it's really amazing and, uh, and, and wonderful. This year, we have seen the best of philanthropy at the Actors Fund. We've raised almost $90 million in the last 12 months, which is about twice as much as we usually raise. Wow. Uh, we've had people step up uh, who have never stepped up before. Uh, our challenge, of course, will uh, to make sure they stay with the Actors Fund since we have a lot more to do to help members of the theater, film, television, the whole creative community. And we have a lot more to do, so we, we're going to need a lot more help moving forward. And as I mentioned earlier, the pandemic has a long tail. You know, people will need the services of the Actors Fund for a couple years before they get on their feet. So we're uh, we're working very hard. I have to say that we're, you know, Stokes mentioned earlier uh, that we've kept on working and uh, we've never stopped. And in fact, some of the initiatives that we had launched a decade ago uh, have come to fruition. We closed uh, in December on a $120 million residence in Hollywood, uh, 152 affordable units in one building, and then another building which has a theater, a training center, uh, and offices for the Actors Fund. So the we call it the Hollywood Arts Collective. And I was talking to, just talking to Rocco Landisman, who as chair of oh, the how's, NEA. How is Rocco? I miss Rocco. <laughs> Rocco's doing great. We, we, had, we had a great time talking. He's a member. He left the NEA and he joined one board, uh, the Actors Fund Housing Development Corporation mm. Board, which is a subsidiary of the Actors Fund dedicated to building more affordable housing around the country for artists. But he's doing terrific. And he uh, he's very proud of the fact that the NEA made a grant to the Actors Fund to do a feasibility study. Uh, about a decade ago. And that feasibility study has turned now into this $120 million project in the heart of Hollywood. Stokes, you received the Tony Award um, in honor of Isabel Stevenson for your philanthropy. Um, So I want to talk to you about it because not only are you involved in Black Lives Matter and the Actors Fund, but Americans for the Arts and the March of Dimes and USO. And I mean, you're you know, you're the consummate philanthropist. I just, what does philanthropy mean to you and what motivates you to be of service? Well, like Joe, I think 
I, I got it from my parents as well, who were always giving back to society. My father was a Tuskegee Airman uh, originally, and then uh, he went through a number of different jobs, but he was always a Tuskegee Airman, and they have a foundation. He was always doing a lot of help and talks and scholarships through that organization. Um, my mother was very much involved in education and a lot of different causes. Um, her father, my grandfather, Frank Stokes was the head of the NAACP, the first head in Spokane, Washington. And I was surprised mm -hmm. to find out during ragtime, I had a picture of Booker T. Washington uh, that was in my dressing room that was kind of our family picture. And I was very surprised to find out that actually he was a frequent visitor to the home uh, of my mom in Spokane, Washington. And we have many, many letters from him. Wow. And um, and I think that's one of the things that ignited my mother to, to do the right thing. She also was the first black policewoman in Seattle, Washington, because, and my mother is the probably one of the last people that you would ever think would be uh, a policewoman, but um, because she was an educator and she had a master's degree in sociology at that time, uh, the NAACP came to her and said, we need, uh, uh, we would like to put a black policewoman in there to help deal with, um, at, at that point at, at, in time, it was uh, family disturbances, you know, but they, they wanted a black officer to be able to go into black homes as well. And so she agreed to do that for three or four years. And that's when I was around the time that I was born. But her work continued through education. And I think it just kind of uh, rubbed off on, on all of the children. And it certainly rubbed off on me. Uh, one of the things that I uh, have always been very appreciative of is I say I'm the luckiest actor in the world because I um, literally, when I left home at 17 years old, I left home with a job in the theater and I worked in the theater, uh, moved up to Los Angeles with a job and immediately started working. And it's really all I've ever done uh, for a living is work in the theater in, in, or film or television or voiceovers. Um, but it's always been in the entertainment field. And um, one of the things I always say is when, when the universe has been good to you, uh, when it asks you to give back, you say yes. Mm. And uh, so it has been my pleasure and my joy to be able to, to give back uh, only I feel a fraction of what I have been given through, um, you know, who, who knows what, but lots of good people and, and uh, that have, have helped make my way and just that, you know, l luck or whatever that is, you know, we, we, I must have done something good mm -hmm. as, as was said in The Sound of Music, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you, you just don't know what these are. So when an opportunity comes along to help, I remember when, when Joe asked me a number of years ago if, if I would be willing, I was already a board member to to serve as as the chairman of the board i i kind of went into a bit of a panic because <laughs> i was still uh doing a show on broadway i was my son was about to be born and uh, I, I just bought a, a new house and uh you know an apartment and i, I thought joe i i just want to make sure that i can be useful to you how long is this gonna um this term for this and he said three years i said joe three years i can't possibly <laughs> do three years i said let's do this let's Let's visit each other after a year and have a sit down because I want to make sure that I'm being useful to you too. I just don't want to be a face or a name. I really want to be helpful to this organization. So let's be able to have an on honest conversation. So here I am uh, 15, 16 years later, I've lost count. <laughs> like what, like you said, Joe, what's time anymore, right? <laughs> and, 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 and so happy to have been able to serve um, for this long. Um, but I, I also feel one of the things that, that um, I've, I've said to Joe, he and I have talked about this a little bit. Um, Actors Fund has been around 138 years now. It 
feels almost in a sense to me that the 138 years that have proceeded, because we're in such a challenging, terrible time right now, it almost feels like those 138 years of incredible work that the Actors Fund has done um, almost felt like now a preview mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, a, a dress rehearsal right. for where we are now. And because of all of the incredible groundwork that was laid by uh, previous board members, all of the other people that have helped the board out. Joe's been here 26 years now, is it, I think, Joe? 31 years, Stokes. Oh, 31? Joe? Oh, see, what's time? (laughs) (laughs) Where did I get 26 years from? Sorry about it. Yeah, I know. It's been, Joe Joe has been with us for such an incredible long time. And I have to say, what you see of the Actors Fund, so much of that was built by him. Um, But it's really incredible to see that because now that we're in the middle of this pandemic, just what the Actors Fund has been able to do um, because of all the previous good work and organization uh, has been an incredible thing. And, and I really feel also that, in a sense, that's that's why we're all here on the planet right now. I don't think it's an accident, you know. It's, a, it's an awful, terrible, challenging, you know, frightening time. But everybody has something that they can give in times like these, you know, different talents, different skills, uh, and even people that think, I, there's nothing I have. Yes, you do. You have something that you can do, some way that you can contribute, some way, if it's even just helping one neighbor um, get through this, everybody can do something to help. So, And it's been wonderful to see the philanthropy that's been coming out of organizations and individuals to help us all get through this together. I've really been moved by that. And it's what's kept me involved with the the fun so much, you know, when we hear these incredible letters at our board meetings or at, at our, our special performances, the ninth performances mm-hmm. that shows do for the Actors Fund. Um, before the shows, generally, we'll go back and talk to the, the companies and thank them um, for doing this extra show, which is very, very difficult. Doing eight shows is impossible. Doing mm-hmm. nine shows is, is just crazy. And, um, and we ask them if there's any questions and tell them about the fund and say, if you ever need us, let us know. Then what happens is we, we go out the stage door and, and, and uh, go sit in the audience and watch the show. Almost every time we do that, before I get out the stage door, somebody grabs me and pulls me to the side and said, can I talk to you a second? <laughs> just, uh, can I talk to you? I said, uh, I'd say, yes, yes. I just want to say thank you. Uh, for, for for your work with the Actors Fund and what the Actors Fund is doing. And they proceed to tell me some incredible story about how the Actors Fund has helped them. And that's what's kept me involved with this organization uh, for so many years. It just fills my heart up um, to see how it's helped people. And then those people that tell those stories want to give back to the Actors Fund as well and do mm-hmm. things for us and be able to help others that are also in a, uh, in a um, situation that they need help. So it's, it's quite incredible. Philanthropy and goodness is, mm-hmm. is catching <laughs> like a virus, you know, it's a good <laughs> virus, you know, so it's something else that when we see other people do that around us, we want to do the same. You segued there, but I was going to say you have so many fans and I've witnessed women and men swoon over you. Um, And I just wondered, you know, what would you tell people about the best ways to get involved in social activism or charitable work? Because as you started to allude, you know, a lot of people, um, they just don't know how to start or they don't know sort of what strategy or how to tap into that part of them, especially people who have maybe weren't raised with parents um, like either of your parents. Um, Any advice for people? I I would say go towards what you're attracted to. 
Um, you know, there are so many causes that are needed by so many different people and people have different skills. Some people may be able to supply a name or uh, sing a song. Some people may be able to help out with accounting or legal skills. There's all kinds of things that people can do to help out, but find that organization. It, what do you love in your life? That would be the first thing I would do mm. is what, what draws you? Do you love the theater? Do you love social justice? Do you love uh, film? Do you love uh, children? Uh, do you are, are you interested in immigration? Are are you interested in in politics, in government, in equality? Or what are you interested in? What calls to you? We all have something that goes off in our heart if we see a news story generally about something that makes us feel. Uh, strongly about it or feel some pull toward it. That's what I would say. Go go there. Start there. Um, but there are so many things and organizations that need help right now. Mm -hmm. So um, whatever your talents and skills and desires are, you'll be able to find find somebody and, and something um, that, that can use your help and will be deeply appreciative of it. I agree, Stokes. And you know, we're so blessed at the Actors Fund that we've had Wonderful volunteers, whether they're accountants, forensic accountants, lawyers like Karen Weiner, who is our volunteer attorney, uh, a brilliant attorney who spends hours voluntarily helping us out uh, with our legal issues. So everyone brings what skills and talents they have. And we're fortunate that the Actors Fund is attractive to them, that they, as our vice chair, Annette Benning says, that the organization walks the walk. Uh, we have the highest rating of any charity in the country or among the highest uh, rating. Uh, our nursing home doesn't just have five stars from the federal government. It has a perfect rating over and over again from the state of New Jersey. And all of our residents get the same kind of independent evaluations. So the organization walks the walk. And I think that is appealing to people and who say, well, maybe I can't sing the way Stokes does, or maybe I can't dance the way our, our other vice chair, B.B. Neuwirth, does, uh, but I can do this. And we work very hard to find a way for their talent and skill to benefit the Actors Fund. So I think walking the walk. Yes, you guys absolutely do walk the walk. Um, so I have one last question. I'm going to start with you, Joe. Um, I'd like you both to answer this. And I've asked this of all of my guests. And at some point, I'll probably put together a sort of big summary about all the answers. But if you could wave a magic wand, what changes do you hope to happen in the theater industry as theaters reopen? Well, A, we'd like to see uh, safe, you know, all the safety protocols put in place. We want to see full theaters. Uh, we want to see fairness and equity within the entire community. You know, we, we want to see a robust theater, film, and television community. And we want all of those disciplines to be combined and recognized as one community. Mm -hmm. And when I think about Stokes, you know, Stokes does concerts. He works Broadway. He's on television. Uh, like so many other people in the creative arts, they are resourceful and they are multi-disciplined people. So... We, uh, we're looking for equity and fairness, and we want to make sure that every uh, member of the theater and the creative community can earn a fair living, have health insurance, be able to live decently, and, 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 and good housing. So it's kind of basic, I think, mm -hmm. what I look forward to. But certainly, we want to see all the safety protocols put in place. We want to see theaters filled. We want to make sure that everyone is safe, secure, and that it's really hard to get a seat for any show. <laughs> How about you, Stokes? Wow. Um, it's a big question. <laughs> uh, 
It's a huge question, and Joe answered a lot of what what I would have said: um, equity and and safety, people feeling safe. I, I think more than anything, and this is kind of the world at large how I feel, but but also for our own community. My hope, my wish, is that we don't forget the lessons that we have learned, that we don't, in our euphoria of opening up and getting back to quote unquote normal, whatever that is. Mm. Forget that there are people that are hurting, there are inequities, there are problems that we have that need to be looked at. And in our intoxication of the joy of coming back, and and man, I'm, I plan on being intoxicated by that as well, <laughs> but I hope that in that intoxication, we don't forget what we need to pay attention to and the lessons that we have learned Um you know, just by quieting ourselves, just by spending time walking through a park and listening to birds, mm. just by sitting with our families um, that we have or the people that are close to us that we've been able to be be with, whether on a screen or if we're lucky enough to be with people uh, in three dimensions, as I like to say, um, you know, to really appreciate w- what we have and w- what it is like being a human being, uh, what it's like to be alive on this planet at this time and and what we can do to make everybody's uh, lives uh, just a, a little bit better. If each one of us did something that made people's lives just a little bit better, that would be a, a wondrous thing. So I, I hope we we don't forget and, and we keep moving forward and keep going towards justice and uh, equality and safety and uh, diversity and all of those ideals that we have in our heart that were laid so bare during the last year. If there were a video, you'd see that I have tears streaming down my cheek right now. Thank you. That was such a beautiful way to end this podcast. And I'm so appreciative and I'm so grateful. And you're right. I, I, if there's anything I've learned this last year, it's just to be grateful for the life that we have and the good things that we have in our lives. And I'm so grateful for the two of you. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast and for everything that you do. Thanks for having us, Jan. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jan. Thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway Gives Back. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals with Brittany Bigelow and music by Eric Becker at Broderick Street Music. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, and friend, Jim Lochner, and to Katie and Yo at BPM, Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency, the Charity Network, and to my fiance, Glenn Weiss, who is always my consultant. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast, and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.